Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. She passed it right down onto us, her daughters, that um, it was just always how you looked, mm-hmm. you know, being being pretty and having your hair and your nails and your makeup, um, the house spotless. Don't, you know, our house didn't look lived in. God forbid we left, you know, <laughs> a shoe, like we'd take our shoe off and grab a drink of water and go back to get our shoes and they're gone. Boom. You know, mom's already put them away. Mm-hmm, right. um, so just a lot of, a lot of pressure to always be perfect. Support for Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Manscaped. Who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming? Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code KDD. Your balls will thank you. This is the Knockin' Doors Down podcast, your host, Jason Lachance. Yes, a history of adversity that I've turned into my advantage. Hopefully it's inspirational to you, much like all of our guests on here. Of course, I went through some childhood trauma, sexual abuse, struggle with alcoholism, divorce, financial ruin, you name it, I've kind of faced a lot of it. And uh, my co-host, uh, Mike Naraki, no different. He's had his adversity. He's a little run-in or two. Yeah, no divorce or anything like that. I haven't taken that plunge, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you know, got myself busted a time or two. What are you going to do? Uh, yeah, he has. And, of course, uh, some substance abuse, but turn it around. And that's what knocking doors down is all about, taking that adversity, turning it into knowledge and letting it fuel your future. And our guest uh, today, Shanda Renee, no different, a total sweetheart of a lady, very talented actress. Her first movie was with director Gary Marshall. She's talented, really inspirational story. Sexual abuse started very, very early in her life. And you'll hear all about that and how it led to relationships that were completely codependent, uh, non-functioning, everything else. And, uh, you know, now she's just really on her feet, got some great projects coming up, some some movie projects she's producing, uh, getting the funding for. I mean, really an inspiration for when you want to go for something in life. She is an example of that. Yeah, she's uh, definitely a truly inspirational story. That's for sure. She definitely pulled herself out of some uh, dark times. You You'll hear it. And makes a hell of an apple pie. Well, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Shanda came in studio and gave us a gift of an apple pie, but Mikey, he plays it up. He was sweet enough to say, no, nah, take it home for your kids, which they thoroughly enjoyed it. So. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a sweet gesture on her part, but the kids would enjoy it more than I have. But it was definitely a uh, smell good. Oh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it did. Uh, all right. Well, uh, about that time. 
Yep, let's jump into it. Do you know I got a pie? She made me a pie. I made. What the you, fuck? I made you both a pie. <laughs> <laughs> I made you I both rubbing, a pie. I was, you ruined it. I wasn't going to tell him that. I'm uh, uh, I'm Mexican, so for the holidays we have tamales. So the last thing I need is pie. But thank you. All you can have it. Take it home to the kids and whatnot. Because I can't. I'm kidding. I have a slow metabolism. With you. I'm go straight to. Well, you don't look like it. You guys uh, look great. Oh, thank you. Uh, and you look gorgeous. You look great as well. It's nice to meet you finally thank in person. Uh, Shanda Renee here with us Yay. and on knocking doors down. And boy, what. Uh, not only are you doing great things, and of course, uh, excited for some of your uh, upcoming film roles, one in particular we'll want to get into, but uh, what you're also doing on social media is cool. Before we started recording, telling a story of uh, a lady reached out to you and said, you sharing your story and being positive, you know, kept her from taking her own life. She mm-hmm. had a plan. Yeah. Which we all know that's a scary point because I've been there. I had a plan at one time too. I just mm-hmm. f- fucked up. <laughs> it was good that, being a fuck up because it yeah, didn't go right. Yeah, so. that, when I had, when I, well, many times I've had plans, but when I was, one of the times I was really out there executing that plan, I got that wrong too. Because <laughs> obviously <laughs> I'm still here. That was a really cool story though. I actually ended up saving a life the night I was trying to take my own. So we'll, Really? We'll, start yeah. with that. Tell we'll us. Let's get into that. Yeah. I know. I'm like, we might as well just jump in. Don't leave me hanging now. Because my story is crazy and and like I was telling Jason, it goes all over the place. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll just jump in right there. Um, gosh, where what where was I? A little bit of the backstory. This was in 2006, I believe. Um, uh, s- single mom. I had I was trying to get out of yeah. trying to escape my my uh, ex husband who was um, heroin addict, meth addict, raging alcoholic, extremely abusive. So I was many years into the trying to get away from him, yeah. which was a back and forth, back and forth. Especially being, you know, having a son and being completely financially dependent on him. So there's all that, which we can maybe get into all of that. But <laughs> yeah. that's kind of the backstory where I was 2006. Um, I had finally reached the point that I just wasn't making ends meet with my son. He went to live with his grandmother. And that was pretty much my, my rock bottom. Yeah. Without my, oh, I'm going to cry already. What well, the That's heck? okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, without my son, you know, I was like, what am I? What's... Yeah. What what am I worth? And all of that, those years of fighting to get out of that marriage and to try to find a way to survive and all kinds of desperate things to do so, all of a sudden without him was like, what was all that for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just left with just shame and guilt and pain and all of that. So, um, yeah, that brought, well, and also I was misdiagnosed some antidepressants and that didn't help. It Ooh, kind of took, we've heard that before too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had no, you know, no idea at the time, obviously, but um, it was since taken off, you know, the market. Um, came out that uh, being diagnosed the wrong amount actually pushed people over the edge. Mm-hmm. So when you're already teetering, yeah, it actually made it worse. And so that's where I was. I was already there, and then I was taking these pills, and they made me so numb that I, I was like, yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I was at that place where I felt, um, and let me know if I'm like looking at you guys and taking away from the mic. <laughs> no, you're great. You're okay. good. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was at that place where I felt like I would be better for my son if I wasn't around. Right. Because I couldn't take care of him financially, couldn't figure it out. Um, the things I kept doing to try to survive and, and make money led to more problems, you know, I'll throw some hints out, strip clubs, Mm -hmm. um, 
which led to drinking to handle that atmosphere, which led to DUIs, which led to mom going to jail, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff. So, um, and I didn't have the kind of family that said, hey, come home and live with us until you get on your feet. I never had that. I had right. the, you got yourself into it, get yourself out of it. Mm. Um, and then with that came, oh, but everything you're doing to get out of it is bad, right. wrong, you know. So, um, yeah, so I came to that place where I would just be better off um, or he would be better off if I wasn't around because then everybody would be forced to take care of him. They wouldn't take care of him with me in the picture, but without me, well, then, yeah, people would step in. Sure. So, um, yeah, I made my plan. I got, uh, I at the time I had like, six cats or something crazy. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of cats and I had my little Pomeranian. So I went and got um, a, enough uh, food to feed them for a week to give time for them to find my body. Oh, um, and I cleaned my apartment. I had this cute little studio apartment in Santa Monica, um, cleaned it, you know, sterile, organized. So when people came and found the animals that everything was in place and in order because god forbid it was dirty <laughs> <laughs> uh, our logic when we're our, in that frame of mind right? is really really interesting I, I mean all that like stuff from my childhood of always having to be perfect you know was really you know coming into gear at the moment i was about to take my life um and uh yeah i got uh, pen paper and um went and got i think it was like seven bottles of extra strength Tylenol PM and a jug of Captain Morgan and a six pack of Corona and got my animals handled and apartment handle got in my car and drove up and down PCH drinking, numbing myself, um, made one call to my ex husband and said, take care of our son and tell him I love him. And within a few, I don't know, I can't remember all the timing, but a few minutes, 10 minutes, maybe 30, who knows, um, my mom tried to call. So obviously my ex must have called her. So I just, I just turned the phone off. I didn't even answer it because I didn't want her, I didn't want anyone talking me out of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's how, you know, this wasn't a cry for help this time. There had been times in the past where it was like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and then allowed people to talk me out of it. This was like, I don't want to be talked out of it. So I turned my phone off and threw it, threw my phone on the floorboard. So I went to the Santa Monica Pier. I parked at the very end. It, this is like around midnight. There was nobody there, no cars, just me at the very end. The plan, I wrote all my notes, wrote a note to my son, wrote a note to, you know, whoever, all my good night, goodbye notes, had photos of my son and other things, stacked them all up, had them all ready for people to find it, um, sat there and just pounding the Captain Morgan, pounding the beer, lined up. Uh, took all the pills out of the bag, lined them up, took the caps off. Um, the goal was to, as quickly as I could, just boom, 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 all seven of the bottles. And then I was going to get out and walk along the beach till I fell over and died and birds pecked at me. I swear, I guess that was the plan. I'm not really sure. Um, so I was sitting there drinking, numbing, getting as drunk as possible, getting enough alcohol in me as I could that it would mix, you know, with the pills. Um and finally got to the point where I was ready and I looked down and I grabbed like again just darkness ocean me my car that was it looked down grabbed the first bottle of pills and all of a sudden there's I heard all this noise and I looked up so maybe uh, two seconds since I had looked up looked down look up there was four Hispanic guys right dead center in front of my car beating the crap out of each other in a full brawl oh, shit. like they weren't there and then they were there. 
And they were in the middle of a brawl as if they had been there getting into it for a while, but they hadn't. And so I'm looking around like, where did they, where, where did these people <laughs> come fuck from? Where did they come the, from? <laughs> and right here, like, you don't see me? Like, you couldn't go fight over there? So I was really confused. I got mad. I was like, God damn it. Gosh damn it. Excuse me. Uh, like, cursed. It's, okay. it's, yeah, it's, we don't fucking care. Yeah. Okay. You can guess. So, yeah, at the time, God damn it. Now I have to move. Like, you're disrupting me. I have to go find somewhere else to kill myself. So I put the bottle down and I picked up the keys to put in the ignition and two gunshots went off and I look up and three of them take off running and one drops and I'm sitting there in my car with all these pills to kill myself and now there's a guy shot in front of my car I'm like fuck (laughs) it's not your turn buddy yeah and I'm like why not me like in the moment I was like why didn't you shoot me you know I want to die I don't think he does yeah. And that was where I was in my head. I was mm-hmm. actually kind of mad about the whole thing. But me being a nice person, <laughs> like, now I have to save him. Because I can't just sit there and let him die. Yeah. Which is so ironic and weird and yeah. morbid. And so I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> open up the car door. I kind of go like this and like, look it out, you know, and he's on the ground and he had a white T-shirt on. Blood was cut. Was he was shot in his stomach, so he could see the blood coming through, and he's like, ah, you know, groaning. So yeah, I get that. This is like my last m- memories of that night, um, or the of that particular time. And then I I walked over, and he's like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. And I kneeled down and I put my hand on his stomach where he's bleeding. I just started rubbing his forehead, and oh, my care, I go get him and cry. Um, and I just said, I think I just said you're gonna be okay, or you're gonna live, or something. And I just blacked out. And the next thing I know, (laughs) I come to, and I'm leaned up against my car. There's helicopters, ambulance, cops, flashlights shining in my eyes in my car. And I hear, um, oh, the guy, they're working on the guy. And I remember trying to go to him. And they were, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the cops pushed me back. Apparently, when they got to the scene, the way they got to the scene, by the way, um, in the distance, the pier, excuse me, my nose was running a bit. I'm like, crying. <laughs> um, in the distance, the, the Santa Monica Pier, uh, some late workers up there heard the gunshots and made a call. And I was so, just going to say who made the call. Yeah, to call, somebody yeah, up, yeah. Some, one of the restaurant workers or mm-hmm. whatever. And so apparently when they got there, they thought it was a domestic violence thing. Oh, wow. They thought I tried to kill him. And and then... Understandably so. Right. I mean, it's just you two. It's and just, you're, yeah. Yeah. And where's the gun, lady? I, right. And so that's why they were searching my car. And when they were searching my car, they found my notes and the pills mm-hmm. and the booze. And so literally in the moment, I hear a police. O- I, there's two police officers on the radios. And one says, we have an attempted homicide, attempted suicide, non-related. I'll never get those out of my head because yeah. what are the odds? And then the other one is, ma'am, we think we, f- we think we found your daughter. Um, because they had apparently went and broke down my, hey, knocking down doors. They had <laughs> apparently went and broke my door down in my apartment searching for me. My mom called hysterical saying that she thinks her daughter was trying to hurt herself. So they were trying to find me. So they had searching all over Santa Monica trying to find me while I'm over there trying to kill myself while some random guy gets shot. And so from there, um, they take me to... First, they take me to the hospital to pump my stomach. I'm like, you don't have to because I didn't even get a pill in. 
<laughs> but they had to take me there and do yeah. the whole thing. Um, and they had guards at my door and all this kind of stuff. And then from there, they took me to the police station because they wanted me to do a lineup. And I was like, look, I was not in my right mind, clearly. I'm like, I do not want to send anybody to prison for attempted murder. Like, you know, yeah. I don't I don't know. And so they were like, well, just look because, you you know, you'd be surprised what the mind will remember or mm-hmm. whatever. But I just I was adamant. I was like, I'll I will look, but don't send anyone to prison on, on you know, my word right now because yeah. I have no idea. Um, so from there, they sent me to, uh, you know, mental ward for the, the is it is it at 5150? 5150, yeah. 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 You're harmed yourself. Yeah. Or so, Interestingly yeah. enough. I know. We'll give you a Knocking copy. Knocking down of, doors, yeah. 5150. We'll yeah. give you a copy of Carlos's book and in there it, he talks about how 5150, you know, because he had, Lost his mind. He was gacked. He was high as a kite off of coke okay. and running around. Oh, they, wow. they, you know, so he got the fifty-one fifty himself. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I had a had a seventy-two hour mandatory hold, um, but I was told that he survived, and they wow. said that I was an angel and that I saved his life because I was held, you know, held his stomach until. Or vice versa, because he saved I, yours. And I that's what I said. I'm like, mm. I'm not the angel. I said he was the one that just dropped down in front of my car when I was trying to kill myself. Mm-hmm. I said, if, if, if he hadn't been there and got shot, I would not be here. And if I hadn't been there trying to kill myself, then he wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always wanted to find him, but, and you know, I haven't. Yeah. So backing up, when you did the lineup, did, did anybody look familiar? You know... I think there was a a guy in a plaid a red plaid shirt, but I remember saying, "Well, he's in red, so yeah. of course red is gonna trigger." Yeah, you know. So I think I might have said maybe, but yeah, I was like, "Don't don't put any credit on on this." Sure. Yeah. You know, like, one of the, one of the things you said that was really interesting to me, Shanda, was um, you made reference to your childhood and and perfectionism. Mm. What? Well, I, 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 How do I look? Or, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you look gorgeous. Great. Is my posture okay? Or just to do I have height now, in my hair? Now I'm like picturing like, you know, the mom or the parents that ran you through the uh, pageants or whatever else. What? what tell me about that perfectionism. Where, what? Yeah, what no, no, it? no pageants. Um, I guess not not pageants in the sense of going to a pageant, but pageant in the sense of every day. You know how we look to the public was a was a pageant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and not you know I don't want to I don't want to speak too terribly about my family and my mother because I can go on and on about it, and it's one of my forgiveness points. Sure. Um, because people are people, and they only can do as far as what they know and the level of growth and and awareness that they've gotten to. And that's part of my healing right now is I finally got to that point um, where you stop all the blaming because you realize that, you know, they can only give what they, what they have to give. So, Mm -hmm. but, but it doesn't take away from what my experience was either. So not to talk bad, but just, this was my experience. Um, uh, Gosh, there was a lot, there was a lot of, a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of domestic violence, a lot of just a lot. Um, but in all of that, my mother's beautiful woman, gorgeous woman, and her, I'm like, how do I say this the nicest way? Her identity, and I think this stems from her own childhood. Sure. And her, her mother was like a Marilyn Monroe. 
um, always perfectly dressed and nails and hair and and that's what a woman's place was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was your honor. That was you you know your worth yeah. was how you looked, how you carried yourself, and just fed right off into my my mom. I think actually was in pageants and modeling, so I guess that would make sense. But yeah, she passed it right down onto us, her daughters, that. Um, it was just always how you looked, mm-hmm. you know, being being pretty and having your hair and your nails and your makeup. Um, the house spotless. Don't you know our house didn't look lived in. God forbid we left you know, <laughs> a shoe like we'd take our shoe off and grab a drink of water and go back to get our shoes and they're gone. Boom. You know, mom's already put them away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so just a lot of a lot of pressure to always be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, domestic abuse too. Was that just towards your mom, or was it to because uh, you have siblings? Is it all girls? All girls. Now, was that towards you and your sisters as well? I will say it was because we were witness to it. We were in the home, sure. So we were definitely affected by it. Um, there, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, I see. I'm already. I'm still already protecting, right? Um, yeah, we were. There was a lot of belt you know, being whipped with the right. belt. And uh, my dad had a had a real bad alcohol problem. So um, lots of getting yelled at and, and name called jokingly in his odd sense of humor. Sure. Um, but again, part of my healing is realizing that's all part of the trauma, but a lot towards my, towards our mother and mm-hmm. a lot with them. So a lot of being um, closed into our bedrooms while they were, you know, dad's fists were going through the walls and furniture was being thrown and hmm. I'm going to fucking kill you, you stupid fucking bitch. And we're just these little girls. And so behind a closed door hearing yeah. that, I'm like, my mommy's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was a, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of that. Um, a, a big part of my childhood that really... Um, has followed me my whole life as in the terms of all the sexual abuse was I was molested by my grandfather oh, gosh. starting at the age of two. So that's a big, that's a big part of the childhood trauma that, yeah. yeah. So there was a, when you, when you talk about trauma as a child, the, the complex <clears throat> trauma is when you have one thing compounded on another thing compounded on another thing. And that's, and that's my experience. So there was all the domestic violence in the home. Um, and then there was the, the child, you know, being molested by a grandfather. Um, and then a lot of moves. We moved a ton and nothing to do with being an army, just just domestic, you right. know, just being domestic. Was grandfather uh, alcoholic addict as well or? So th- he was my step-grandfather, but he was the only grandfather I knew. Right. Um, so I was born, my, my parents were originally from L.A. Then, mm-hmm. they, then they moved to Idaho. <clears throat> That's where us three girls um, were born in Idaho. And then from Idaho... We moved to Backwoods, Alabama. <laughs> and that's where a lot of that. Roll Tide. And that's, you know, we're talking, you know, I was born in, well, I'm going to give my age away. I shouldn't do that as an actress, but I was born in 78. So we're talking Me late too. 70s, early 80s, Backwoods, Alabama. Yeah. You know, you got some stuff going on back there. Yeah. Right. Um, he, he was a, and this is the first time I'm actually publicly like saying who did this to me, by the way. So it's kind of a big well, thank deal. you for the yeah. vulnerability. I'm just, yeah, it's time I need to tell my story. I've always, you know, protecting my family and, you know, but um, anyways, it's time because I can't connect with others and help others if I don't, you know, True. tell my own. Um, so my mom said when her and my 
dad started dating, she was really young. And, and the, you know, trauma goes back. Her mom committed suicide oh, when shit. my mom was 16. Oh, so when you talk about, like, generational, generational yeah. trauma, yeah. you know, and then I'm the one that ends up being, you know, having suicidal tendencies, it, it, it does get passed down. Yep. Um, and that's where my mom had her own issues. And then, you know, like I said, going back to she could only do what she could do as far as she knew. So, um Anyway, so what they started dating when she was 16, um, right around the time her mom killed herself. So she was very dependent on my father. She comes from a family of six children. Um, she was second to the youngest. And, um, and so she kind of had to take over the whole, you know, plain mom role. And so she, right out of high school, soon as she turned 18, married my dad and had us girls. But um, she says she remembers when she would stay the night with my dad, and she told me this years and years and years later after all this came out that we were molested, that my grandfather, she would wake up in the middle of the night and he would be standing over her, like watching her. Mm. So, and that there was other times, I guess he would speak to the plugs in the wall, um, like aliens talked yeah. to him through the plugs. So he had some stuff going on up oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you don't mind my asking, um, you said that it started when you were two. Mm -hmm. That I mean, obviously, you couldn't remember when you were two. Like, so was somebody yeah. informed you of that? No. Um, as I grew up, I had. Uh, I I'll just put it out there. I was I was weird. Hey, <laughs> was, welcome to the I club. Was welcome weird. to the fucking club. All actors and actresses are right. I, yeah. I was I was a weird kid. I did weird shit with my dolls. Um, stuff I was ashamed of forever and ever. Again, I'm finally able to talk about it but yeah. you know I'd hide in my closet and have my dolls do sexual things with each other um I think I, I was I don't think that's weird yeah, no, that's thank not weird you. yeah Validation. No, I, no, I, hey I mean I same everyone's you know, curious G.I. Yeah. I had the big G.I. Joe aircraft carrier and I'll tell you an orgy of G.I. Joe's happened on the aircraft okay. carrier so All right, since we're being honest here I guess I'll say it too I had I was obsessed with the Spice Girls when I was younger because I was very attracted to them Posh in particular. I thought they were very... So what, did you have like a reverse gangbang with the dolls? No, like I had... I remember one year for my birthday, <laughs> like... my dad got me these dolls that were the Spice Girls. And I remember thinking in my head, okay, this has gone too far. <laughs> you know like, I don't need these dolls. But anyway, so that's where I was going out with the doll thing. But as you were. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm glad I'm not the only one. But yeah, no, no I like... suffered early... Childhood I, sexual trauma. So you know, I know that familiar. there's I know that there's like kids being curious about sexuality, sure. and then there's like knowing more than you should know. So another incident that had happened, I think I was like six or seven. So just real quick, um, we were in Alabama, and then thankfully my mother forced my dad. Well, I don't know, force whatever you want to call it. Talked him into there was no forcing my dad to do anything. <sighs> talked him into coming back to California. So. The um, so between the ages of like two and and six was um, when all that was happening, and thankfully we got out of it um, around the time I was six. So when we moved, but that's when all this stuff started kind of popping up. So I don't know, six seven years old, I was playing with um, a, a a kid across the street. He had a one of those like wooden round old fashioned hot tubs, mm -hmm. and 
I don't know how I would know this, but somehow I knew that if I went under the water and put my mouth on him, that it would pleasure him. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so I, and why did I want to please him? I don't know. Right. Um, What made me even think that he needed to be pleased, but this started that whole always having to please men in a sexual way, which, you know, followed me my whole life. So, um, but that's what I did. And my sisters were uh, peeking over the fence and saw so they go, you know, take off running. We're going to tell on you. We saw you. Ew, gross. So all, you know, it yeah. just these these were the very beginning of shame and guilt mm-hmm. and hiding yeah. and Support for Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Manscaped. Who's the best in men's below the waist grooming? Manscaped, they offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Hey Mikey, you ever like cut your face when you're shaving and then you got to do the little like pin thing or put the tissues on it? Oh yeah, a little piece of toilet paper there. Wouldn't you want to avoid that for your Johnson because we don't want to have any cuts, nicks, scratches, or scrapes? Well, that's happened before and let me tell you, it's the fucking worst. (laughs) There is nothing worse. But uh, it would be even worse to have that tissue on your sack if you nicked yourself. That's right. You want to impress that significant other and be all groomed and trimmed and ready to go whenever hibbity-dibbity starts. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. That's right. And check it out. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself, all right? Let's get that bush to tush clean. Rooter to the tutor. Get 20% off, free shipping, with the code KDD at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. That's right. And when I tell you it is premium, I mean premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. Plus, it's got an LED light. How cool is that? Which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Well, they've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, so that ain't half bad, Jason. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KDD. Your balls will thank you. Um, another incident... Um... I would, I don't know why, gross, weird, but I would, my sisters would go to the bathroom and I would like want to take a pick and pick, you know, like a comb pick and, yeah. and pick them in their private parts or whatever, like just weird yeah. stuff that I would do. Um, there was another time I was uh, on a playground. I would think I was maybe kindergarten, first grade. And instead of playing with my friends, for some reason, I had the jolly idea to go over to where the main street and cars were passing by and expose myself to to them i don't know why Mm -hmm. so all these things were happening and then i had a terrible terrible it's still something i struggle with to this day um paralyzing fear of the dark um to where i literally freeze and can't move and i have this overwhelming sense that something's gonna get me from behind Um, so lots of things like that. Then I started to have, um, bladder infections from third grade, severe bladder infections. And apparently it was because I was holding my pee and I was too afraid to get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. So I would hold it. And so it was Mm -hmm. causing me to have these really terrible bladder infections. Um, I was so ashamed. I thought something was wrong with bladder infections at that young age. I was so ashamed of that. I felt like something was wrong with me Mm -hmm. that I didn't tell my mom for, for, I don't, maybe a good six months, maybe I don't, I suffered for so long because I was ashamed 
to say that I was ha- having this pain down there. Yeah. And when it and I would I remember sitting in class trying to learn and I couldn't even focus because I was burning and yeah. you know suffering. Um and so then I'm getting in trouble with teachers because I wasn't you doing what I was supposed to. So again, it was like things that were happening to me but because of what happened to me that I'm getting in trouble and I'm getting, you know, shamed. So it was just this vicious cycle. Um, but not knowing why these things were happening to me. So this, you know, stuff like this just kept going on. Once I started hitting teenage years, then all the, um, you know, and I'm skipping over a lot, but my mom and dad divorced and she got remarried. She had my half sister. She married a complete opposite of my dad. My dad Hmm. was this, you know, motorcycle riding, drinking, cursing, smoking, you know, guy to this Christian, straight and narrow, quiet had a little bit of money in the bank so all of a sudden our life went from all this crazy domestic you know violence to this perfect world but we were all like me and my two older sisters like the product of the not so perfect world Mm -hmm. and nothing was ever dealt with nothing was ever talked about and so especially because we came from you know you and i being the same age came mm -hmm. from a generation and it's again i love my parents they're amazing but they came it was a generation that was very emotionally immature you don't talk about any of it you just shove it under the rug and behave and shut yeah 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 so um when i got to so so she moved us into this like perfect world had my little sister and it was kind of like as long as you don't make any ruckus as long as you don't disrupt my new perfect life then basically just do what you, do what you're gonna do. Um, so as a teenager, it started sex, drugs, partying, never wanting to be home, yeah. um, suicidal tendencies, cutting myself, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what ended up happening was to answer this little the the long way around <laughs> your question. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what ended up happening was um, my mom finally, after you know, constantly getting in trouble. Um, coming home drunk, you know, getting caught smoking weed, all that kind of stuff. Um, not, you know, ditching school. Finally, was like, "What is wrong with you? Why are you not like your older sisters?" And I told her, "I think something happened to me when yeah. I was a little girl." And she flat out, "No, nothing happened to you. I never left you with anyone that would ever do anything." Um, basically, again, it was like, "Be perfect. Yep. Get your shit together. Don't talk about that stuff." You know. Um, and so it was another couple years later that things were getting really bad. And my mom sat down with my older sister who had like gone off to college and came back and was, um, sat down and said, Shanda keeps saying that something happened to her. And I just, you know, don't know what's wrong with her. Um, I ended up getting pregnant. My mom forced me to have an abortion. Mm. So it was just lots of bad stuff was yeah and uh, my sister finally said to my mom yes that something had happened to us that she remembered everything how old was your sister so she's the oldest um and she's four years older than me and then we have one that's two years so there there's i'm i was the youngest and then i have my middle sister um who's two years we're all two we're literally two years two months apart all (laughs) born on the last day of the month so april 30th june 30th august 31st yeah um my middle sister does not remember anything she doesn't claim anything that's fine that's that's her deal um so yeah so my older sister finally told my mom and i'll never forget 
Um, and my sister said that she thought she had protected us, so she didn't think anything had happened to, mm-hmm. you know. So she that was a burden she carried. And I don't want to talk too much more because that's her story. Sure, but, yeah. But anyway, for the sake of that's how it all came out. So I'll never forget the day that I came home. Uh, my mom was just in tears sitting on the couch, and I walked in the door, and she said you were right. And she was like, I'm so sorry I didn't believe you. Uh-huh. And I just remember looking at her saying something like, I think I said something like, so I'm not weird anymore. And I just walked to my room and, and shut the door. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> I know. It's a lot. <laughs> Within all this, so of course, um, you know, those listening or watching on the YouTube channel, uh, Shanda, an actress, how did, uh, how did the arts come about for you? <laughs> Right. How did that? Because I'm like within all this, all it just sounded like chaos. I know. You know, I'm not hearing. Well, and I was also doing stage plays, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, yeah, it's like. So uh, my yeah, my road to screen is. I I mean, I would say it wasn't supposed to happen, but obviously it was because sure. I got there. But not with that life. Not from <laughs> Idaho to Alabama and the little town of Shandon and all that s- stuff. But um. I, so I barely made it through my, my high school teenage years, but I did. And I met my son's dad. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a senior. He was two years older than me. He had already graduated and we were partying, you know, we were doing the whole thing. Um, right out of high school. Um, I think it was maybe four months after I graduated, I got pregnant. So I was barely 18 and got pregnant and his whole family um, has been in the film industry for like four. I think my son now makes the fourth or the fifth generation. Um, they're, I'll be darn. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So great grandfather, grandfather, yeah. uncles, brothers. And so, um, so my, my, he wasn't my husband yet at the time. Um, but I was, so my boyfriend, father of my son at the time, he got the door open to come down um, to start working as a grip in the film industry. I had no idea about the film industry whatsoever. I never took acting classes. I, you know, didn't do the pat like you said. I didn't do the pageants. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, I will say, because my mom does remind me. She goes, "Yeah, but you were always putting on a show, Shanda. You were always banging on the piano, dressing up. As soon as sure. we got a camcorder in the house, you were always walking around making little mm-hmm. movies." So I guess I always had that in there, but I didn't know what any of that was as far in terms of like an industry. Sure. So when I moved down to LA, pregnant, eighteen years old, um, and uh, my my son's dad, he was working on Batman, that big. The, ba- the big Batman movie. The Michael Keaton one, Tim Burton. I th- uh, Michael Keaton's the Batman I know. <laughs> in 2000, this was in, this was in 19, oh gosh, I don't even know, 1997 or 8. That was the Michael Keaton was one. Was that the Michael Keaton Um, Gosh, I can't remember. I want to I, I, I think It's so. like that or it was Val Kilmer or Clooney or one of them. Cause the, it you might know. have been Clooney. But anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter. But it was his, Batman, yeah. which is awesome. And his, so a bit, you know, big productions. Um, and his brother was the camera assistant, camera guts, cameraman on ER with Clooney. So, um, so within that, so you know, pregnant, having the having my son, going to, to all these sets to visit the family, um, and my son's dad bringing the baby, whatnot. Every time I would go, people would come up to me or come up to 
my I don't what do I call him? My ex, my son's dad. I don't want to sure, call him. Sure, baby his, daddy. Baby daddy. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to call him by his name. Yeah. What I what I call him, that guy. The, um, the fella. The fella. Um people come up to to me and him and they say, Oh, is your is your wife a, we did eventually get married. Um, is your wife a model? Is she an actress? And I remember going home being like, Why do people keep asking if I'm an actress or a model? And I'm like, could I be? And he's yeah. like, well, yeah, anybody could be if they try. I literally thought actors were like born underground, like specially <laughs> people. I did. And I thought things were filmed in chronological order. Oh, sure. I, you know, I had no concept of that. And I was like, really? Wow. Like that was the most amazing thing to me ever that I could actually be an actress or a model. Like what? Um, and so I started taking some acting classes just to see. And it, I just... The moment that I got into that class and had my first scene and I was on camera, it was like everything about me made sense. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, a life of so much emotion that I had to keep bottled up inside of me had a way to come out. Yeah. And so whatever scene it was that I was doing, whether I had to cry, whether I was a mom, whether I was you know a daughter, whatever the scene was, I had something to pull from because I had already been through so much. And this is back then. I'm like, I didn't... And I still had everything that happened after that. But um, uh, yeah, so that was kind of what introduced me to the the film industry. Um, and I can keep going if you want to know how I actually got to my first. Yeah. <laughs> the first get, role. How'd you get the first role? Uh, so uh, this is what I was telling you. It's like there's all this chaos that's happening. But then within all the chaos, there's like these beautiful moments. Sure. So it's why it's hard for me to tell my story because it's like, wow, it sounds like that's a really good thing. I'm like, yeah, well, why that really good thing happened? There was also all this really bad stuff happening. Right. And yeah. that's kind yeah. of the, the <clears throat> that's kind of the message of my mess really is that there's all there was there's always been this ribbon of hope. And I think that's really what's kept me around through some of the, the stuff that, that happened. Um because for every bad thing that happened, something equally amazing would happen. Yeah. And it would be like, right when I would get to that point, was like, I'm done, boom, something really fantastic. Like, oh, okay, well, that was really cool. So maybe I'll stick around a little bit, see mm-hmm. where this goes. Yeah. So um, so with that, um, my unfortunately, so when my son was born and we came down to LA and, my, and the, the guy, the fella, uh, started working in the industry, <laughs> making really good money, we bought a house, we were good for a minute. And yeah. I was good for a minute with all my childhood and stuff. I became a mom. And that was all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. I, when Growing up when people would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a mommy. Um, that's all I thought there could be. I, you know, I was like, college or mommy? So mm-hmm, right. mommy. Um, and I wanted a boy and I got my boy. <laughs> and um, so things were good for a minute. And then unfortunately, I'm sure you guys know the, the rumors with the film industry, especially with grips and key grips, especially back then. They didn't have as strict. Uh, now they're better as far as drug use and and alcoholism and all of that. But back then, not so much. It was more encouraged. So he, you know, he's on set for fifteen hours a day. You know, he's gone before we wake up, and he's home after his family goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, unbeknownst to me, he was getting involved with with meth again, and so much so that he started becoming a total lunatic and started abusing me really terribly bad and so it was like reliving my childhood yeah. but again like textbook right mm-hmm. you yep. end up marrying your what yeah what you grew up right yeah so the verbal abuse the threats the you know just 
all the insanity, um, the sex, you know, being forced to have sex when I didn't want to have sex, um, <sighs> all that kicked in. And times that I was trying to leave, he'd pull spark plugs out of the car, um, cutting up my clothes. I mean, all oh, shit. all kinds of insanity went down. And um, really bad to where I would have to like lock me and my son into a room. Cops were called, you know, I'm just kind of skimming over some yeah. of this stuff. But it got to the point where I needed to leave because I was sitting there like, I all I ever wanted was to give my son a childhood that I didn't have. And here I, it's like, he's living my childhood. He's yeah. seen mommy and daddy screaming, yelling, fighting, daddy threatening to kill mommy. This is like, you know, that's yeah. me. Loop. There's, yeah. So, but how do I leave? Because I was pregnant right out of high school. I had no no job, no college. You know, I have this lifestyle, I have a house, I have a nice car, I have nice stuff for my son. And I have no way to provide that for him yeah. leaving. So um, I tried, though. I tried. I filed for a divorce, got the, the fella out for a minute, um, put the house up for sale, and I went to get a job at a fancy restaurant thinking, <laughs> if I'm a hostess at a fancy restaurant, I'll make more money. Um, and so that's what I did, trying, you know, it turned out I was getting paid $10 an hour, and my child care was $10 an hour. So Shit. that, you know, that Sounds didn't, very familiar. That didn't last long. But I was trying, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And while I was working at that fancy restaurant, Gary Marshall, the late Gary Marshall, I'll be damned. was a regular. And he, I guess you could say, discovered me. And That's so true. while I'm at home dealing with being called a cunt, bitch, whore, slut, I'm going to kill you. I'm, you know, having someone like Gary Marshall come up to me and say, <laughs> are you an actress? Again, you Isn't know. Isn't that Hollywood getting discovered <laughs> right. at restaurants and shit? <laughs> right? That's so Hollywood. Yeah, it's like when we had Carmen Electra on, Janda, she was like, yeah, no, I, I, I had just enough money to go to LA and I was there a couple days and I was dancing at a club. It's like, you were fucking just dancing with you and your girlfriends? Yeah, Bullshit. Kind of how it started. I was walking up and down streets in LA for almost a year trying to get discovered. Nobody I, saw I, me. I do, <laughs> I do have to say that pretty girls in LA tend to get discovered a little bit easier than yeah. than guys and I'm sorry. Didn't Tom Cruise, <laughs> it's not to, like that discovered. anymore. Everything has changed but yeah. this is yeah. you know this is this is back before social media and everybody right. had to be their own advocate mm -hmm. and you know now we have to do everything ourselves. Yeah. But, but again, that was my ribbon of hope. Yeah. At that time. Sure. So, I'll never forget Gary said to me um he said some, oh, how did he put it? You're so, you you're something about being so young and so pretty, but I have so much sadness in my eyes. Mm. And deep, yeah, yeah. And because um, he because he asked me, he called me over to his table in the corner and he said, "Are you an actress?" And I said, "No, but I'd like to be." And and he said his whatever he said about something um, being young, this and that, but so much sadness in my eyes. And I looked at him and I said. Um, something about what I was yeah I'm going through a lot or whatever and he said what did your boyfriend break up with you <laughs> and I'm like oh I wish that was my I wish that was what I was going through yeah. oh Mr. Marshall if it was only that simple if it was only that simple and I said something along those lines like that like yeah no um and I mean because I was young mm -hmm. I was like young 20s and I already had this you know four-year-old boy at home and I had already been through all of that that I just told you guys about and now I'm trying to get away from a 
a meth addict, abusive, crazy psycho. And at the time, um, he is sober today. I will give awesome. him props for that. But he put me through 17 years of hell before that happened, um, which continues this story. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so, um, so I think when I finally did tell Gary a little bit more of, no, so much more than just breaking a nail or or a boyfriend breaking up with me. Yeah. Um, he said, I can't promise to save your world, but I can give you the break I think you deserve. I'll be damned. That's awesome. And so when they went to cast for Raising Helen, yeah. with um, Kate Hudson and Helen Murren, they brought me in to audition. And I got cast the, the, the role of Mary the intern. And my very first on-camera speaking experience ever was in a Disney movie directed by Gary Marshall speaking with Helen Murren. <laughs> Fuck. Like what? <laughs> like how does that even happen? Right. right? Yeah, you know the odd thing though, uh, Shanda is like, I can relate to so much of the 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 crazy shit that really happened because it really is your childhood and the relationship. Yeah. That that seems normal to me, but the the, the Gary Marshall thing now that's the mind blowing thing. Yeah. You know, but it, which is kind of the fucked up part because it's like, no, that's a cool life opportunity. The other stuff is the, you know, the craziness that occurred. It's just right, right. But it's your was your norm, and the norm for so many. Yeah. 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 So that was um. That that was a, a, a high for a minute yeah. and it carried me through. But unfortunately, the um, yeah, unfortunately, he I ended up in uh, Princess Diaries two, so that was my second film um, with Anne Hathaway. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and it really th- those two experiences really uh, I got bit by the the bug, you sure. know, yeah. the, the industry bug, um, and which is why I'm still pursuing it all these years, you know, all these years later to this day. Um, but unfortunately. What normally probably would have launched someone's career with those kinds of credits, yeah, because of everything I was going through with raising my son as a single mom, um, and my and my ex would not leave me alone. Um, he was literally obsessed, um, and I, I I basically was like on the run from him for you know years and years and years and years, and uh, I mean this I could sit here for hours telling you guys all the insanity, but. You know, try, stripping imagine. at strip clubs and getting into soft porn and uh, just dating rich men for money. And, yeah. you know, like I said, um, DUIs, ending up in Linwood Prison because I had that 5150. So when I got a second DUI, they had to process me through the entire system. And I actually oh, ended up in prison at Linwood. For, that's a whole hilarious story, um, which I don't even know if we have time for all of that. But uh, well, go you for hear it. it. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Let's, yeah, like, give, yeah. let's give them a little bit of humor. I know. Something can to we, laugh. Yeah. Can we get can we lighten the load here a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So that's actually a hilarious story. Um, <laughs> I went, I, I drove myself to the court to go, okay, I'm going to own up to this. I'm going to go to court. I'm going to get my sentence. I'm going to do my two days in, in the county jail. So I drive my car to the courthouse. I walk in. And the next thing you know, they're putting me on a bus with shackles and chains. Oh, shit. And I'm like, where am I going and why? And nobody would tell me anything. And so all of a sudden, I'm on a bus and I'm driving down through, you know, one city, one town, deeper, deeper, deeper into L.A. And I'm shackled and... um. And I've got these, I got this girl behind me, full on, you know, I don't even know what the proper term is. How do you even say that these days? I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble. But anyway, um, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to get 
get yelled at. But um, she's like, I'm going to get you. Oh, I, I had bleach blonde hair at the time. Yeah. And I had double D <coughs> boobs at the time. Um, and I was size like zero. So I looked like a Barbie at the, you know, at that yeah. time. I had worked for the strip club. <laughs> I, made, I made it work for me. You know, sure. you do what you got to do. Uh, so she's literally like, I'm going to get you Snowflake. She's calling me Snowflake. She's calling me Paris. She's calling me Barbie. And I'm literally like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. I don't even know what she's talking about. Next thing I know, we're in Linwood Prison getting thrown into one of those huge cement rooms, stripping down, having them do checks, body checks. Coughing. And then, pull yeah. Mm-hmm. Pulling, yeah. If anybody has a tampon, pull it out. Like I'm like, what in God's like? Did I murder somebody? I don't understand why I'm here. I'm like, this is a DUI. You think I like, you know, kill babies or something. Yeah. Um, put it on the orange <laughs> jump. I'm like, shit. seriously, put on the orange jumpsuit. We're putting this like holding cell and that girl's like literally like on me and they start like assigning rooms and bunks and it's like getting down less and less and it's like me and her and a couple other girls. Oh, I'm like, shit. oh God, please do not let Thank God they didn't. They, I think they were trying to scare me because they knew she had been at me like all day. Yeah. Um, but they finally bunked me with um, a pregnant prostitute. Um oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's it's just good that it wasn't the girl. <laughs> I don't care who it was at that time. Right. Um, uh. And at one point, I wa- I don't know nothing about prison. I've never been before. I didn't know you weren't supposed to do this, but I walked up to a prison guard and I tapped her on her shoulder. Oh nope, nope, nope. Hands oh, to yourself. Oh boy, I almost got my head chopped off. Don't you ever rush up on it. I was like, I'm not rushing up on anybody. I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out why I'm here. <laughs> like so what, what ended up, why did they process you into t- prison? I was there for three days because it was a long holiday. So I went in on a Friday and I didn't get to be seen by the psychologist, psychologist. until yeah. the Tuesday morning. And uh, I was thinking it was like, a, oh wait, you're What's your name? Oh, sorry, wrong person. Uh, yeah, bad. I was waiting for that. Oh, we were, no, it was supposed to be a Sandra. Oh, right. And with my luck, it would have been something as stupid as that. So you didn't but, kill three people? Yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. The wrong person. Exactly. Um, ends up that because I had that fifty-one fifty mm-hmm. that they ca- they had to process me through the whole entire federal prison because in count something to do with like county. If, I, if they would have released me and I would have hurt myself, then they would have been held liable. Right. right. So what's funny about this, not funny, but hilarious, is when they finally, I get to finally see the psychologist, it was two minutes of, are you going to kill yourself when we release you? No. Okay, you're released. Thanks. So I just did three days. But I will say the three days in there, I was able to, um, I guess, at the, I was really religious at the time, witness to all of these prostitutes especially the one that i was that i was bunked with Mm -hmm. she was bruised you know beaten by her pimp pregnant with his baby didn't know how to get away from him um i was able to sit there and tell her everything i had just gotten through with being abused by my husband and raising my child and the things that i was doing at the time to you know (laughs) getting duis and stripping (laughs) but if anything, it was the mental <clears throat> attitude behind it. Because I sure. kept a really great attitude while I was in there. You know, I was like, well, this is what I'm doing now. Okay, this is part of my story. So um, whatever whatever it was worth, whatever I could give her and some of these other girls that were in there, what I was going through compared to what they were going through was, you know, not comparable. So that, so that was a good experience. Um, when I left, including the girl that was going to get me, they all clapped for me as I was walking. You know, he had to walk the yellow line to get out. So to she the- wasn't bitter that she didn't get you? 
She finally <laughs> eased up. Oh, she, she was like, "Bye, bitch! I see oh, you on the street." No, she was like, "Bye, bitch!" But it was more of like a, you know, "All right, bye, bitch." It was more I, of like that. You want to know how I got her? I gave her all my bologna sandwiches. Ah. Oh. Because I was a size zero. I wasn't about to eat white bread and bologna. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you can't give up sandwiches, though, in prison. Oh, I, I was shit. like, I'll keep my apple, and you can have my bologna sandwich, and that shit worked. This is my cornbread. You get your own cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fuck. telling you, it worked, and I made friends, and yeah. So, but here's the funny part. So, they're worried about I'm going to kill myself. Well, do they put me back on the bus and drive me back out to Lancaster where my car is? No. They let me out right there in Compton. Bleach blonde, double D boobs. And I didn't have my cell phone and I didn't have anything because it was all out in Lancaster. They just put me out on the streets. And I'm like, oh, really? So you're really concerned I was going to kill me? They're like, no, we don't care if you kill yourself, just not on our on our watch watch. and there wasn't any ubers then no (laughs) and there no and you probably were at that time in compton we're gonna get a fucking taxi either no i didn't know i would imagine you would have no problem getting a taxi but the money i didn't have any money blonde with double d she'll she'll find a taxi so i'm I'm get a fucking random car to stop hey (laughs) so i'm standing there on the street going well now what like what do i do now i'm gonna walk eight thousand miles back out to lancaster all of a sudden, this hoopty cubs <laughs> freaking <laughs> spinning wheels. The whole hey, snowflake, you need a ride. <laughs> oh, shit. it's that girl. No. Oh, gosh, was another... I was gonna say, What the fuck? It was another girl that was in there with me. They thank god, though, they released her and I pretty much around the same time. But she was one of the other girls that was in there that I was giving my sandwiches to, and I was letting her boyfriend had come and pick her, picked her up, and I was like, Oh my god, yes. I'm like, I don't have any money. I don't know how many. So they um, they took me to 7-Eleven. They got me something to drink. I can't remember what it was. I think I got a beer, actually. I was like, I need a beer. I'm in there for a DUI. I'm like, I just need a beer. Um, pack of cigarettes. Um, they gave me money. They took me to the train station. And I got a train. Uh, the train only went to um, Santa Clarita. Mm. So that's as far as I got. And then I got to Santa Clarita. And I'm like, now what? And then somebody was like, oh, did you just get out of college? I'm like, no, I just got out of prison. <laughs> and they're like, Fuck. yeah. And I was like, I need to get out to Lancaster. So some other person got me a bus ticket. Wow. So then I took a bus. Um, so I got to the bus station in Lancaster, but then my car was still, you know, miles away at the courthouse. So there's somebody there. I'm like, I need a ride. So then they paid for a cab. So I got a wow. cab to the courthouse and got my car, drove to my sister-in-law's house where I was staying at the time. She's not there. Nobody knew what happened to me. Everybody thought I was supposed to be gone for two days or a day and a half or whatever mm-hmm. in county jail. Wow. And so she wasn't even there. Her house is locked. And all of a sudden it dawns on me. She, her garage has, an ice, has a fridge full of beer. So I literally went in there and I got like three beers and I just laid on her lawn and just sat there and drank <laughs> and stared at the sky. And I was like, how in the world did I just end up in prison for three days being called Snowflake? And here, anyway, this... trains, planes, and automobiles to get back to my car. Jeez. Fucking crazy. I know. Can you not look at bologna sandwiches anymore? I actually <laughs> like bologna sandwiches. <laughs> now I'm all about that bologna I sandwich. I like bologna sandwiches, but I knew that that was the trick. If you're ever in prison, give away your sandwiches. Yeah. So when was just the point that, that you felt that it was bottom for you in all these situations and you started to turn a corner? Because it sounds like you probably can continued the 
the pattern within relationships that were abusive and so on and so forth that it was just like, fuck this. I know I'm for something more. Because you continued, you eventually got back to acting. Yeah, so... so you know the, the the pattern did repeat, and it and it was just years and years um, of trying. You know the the ex just was relentless, and all the court stuff with you know the, the child support. It was it was just a long, relentless situation. And and my podcast and my blog will go into you know all of that yeah. um, in depth for you know for single moms that need to hear that part of the the story. Um, but there was some you know there was some good stuff that started to happen. I I actually. Um, started taking photography classes i was doing um this brings in a whole other thing my my nerve damage and paralysis and all that stuff that happened but oh. um i was doing photography i was doing interior design i got another film that came my way i was i went over to india and i filmed a movie li- literally lived in india for a month and brought nice. my son yeah um and co-starred in a film over there um and so like so good things you know were, were happening and I was getting my shit together and um, I actually was engaged to be married again. Um, so for, you know, a good four years or so, things things got better, but then they got <laughs> worse again. <laughs> they got worse again. I went to have the double Ds taken out and, I, and that surgery left me with chronic nerve damage. It severed a nerve. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. So I had built everything up and then I lost everything again. So it was kind of just like this, yeah. So I deal with chronic pain and all that to this day and that's a whole other long ass story. But um, I know. Um, and it just goes on and on. But but what ended up, to, to, to fast forward all the way to what brings me here today, um, I finally uh, got to the point where I had to sit there and look at my life and all of these situations and all of these build my life, lose my life, build my life, lose my life. What's causing this? And yes, it's the ex. Yes, it's the the doctor that severed the nerve. Yes, it's the whatever. But at some point you have to say, what am I doing? Um, Or what am I not doing? I guess you could say that is allowing these situations to, to continuously manifest. And that's what really brought me to the point of examining my childhood um, and the trauma that I went through that I never really healed from any of that. I never, like, I I couldn't even talk about it in depth like I am today. Mm -hmm. So how could I ever actually even heal from it? Um, And as you know, until you heal from things, it'll just continue to show up, but it'll show up in different ways. And so whether it's relationships with men, whether it's career, money, you know, whatever the situation may be. And... Um, and instead of like relying on religion and praying, because I used to, I'm like, I'm praying, I've prayed, I can't pray anymore. And all these different, you know, avenues of like, everything was like outward. And I finally realized like, I need to go inside myself and figure out where the power is within me to, yeah. to heal and to change this and to, ch- and, and to change the, the real that's playing in my head constantly that, you know, all those voices back there that, you know, you're not good enough or the only way you're going to make it is with money or was with, with a man or is with God or is what, like, whatever it is. Sure. Um, and so, and where are all the toxic relationships that I'm still allowing? Like, where's the energy that is in my life um, that is not good? It's toxic energy. And so I dove really deeply into, um, well, first of all, I, I pretty much isolated. I cut everybody off. The family friends, the whole shebang. And I just isolated um, 
myself and I just dove really deep into energy work, trauma work, healing, examining myself and and really came to terms with my myself um, and ha- and realizing that I'm allowing some of this stuff to, to come into my world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to say no and it's hard to cut people off because I am a people pleaser and I'm always wanting to be you know, that perfect. Yeah. Don't don't upset people. Um, but that's what it takes. That's what it takes. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to become this like mean, cold person. It just means that you have to set boundaries for yourself, for your yep. health and, and not, and not cross them and not let other people cross them. Yeah. Yeah. That was a diff that, well, that's one I'm still working at cause I'm a yeah. people pleaser too. Yeah. Totally, you know, and I think it comes back to, you know, some similarities in life. And, uh, yeah, boundaries are a motherfucker to learn when you didn't have them, let alone when you were violated, especially at an early age. It just It's like a mechanism in the brain that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, so for people that, that wonder about anyone that does struggle with boundaries and stuff, it's, you know, it's just it's part of that trauma. It's stuck yes. up there. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have trauma, it, everything is backwards. Yeah. And... Things that are healthy for you seem uncomfortable and things that are unhealthy for you seem normal and mm-hmm. comfortable. And so it's literally rewiring your brain, retraining your brain to accept what is actually good for you and being and being being comfortable, being uncomfortable until mm-hmm. that becomes normal, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, goodness. And it takes time, you know, and it t- and and doing the I am affirmations was a big thing for me in the rewiring just and I still do it to this day sometimes I'll even go to sleep I'll put like I'll have like a five hour long I am affirmation and I'll Mm -hmm. just put it in my head and I'll just go to sleep just just literally brainwashing myself that I am all you know I am happy I am healthy I am wealthy I am abundant I am free I am you know all these things um to just constantly combat all the other things in my head that constantly keep manifesting, you know, this this cycle. Because I'm I I made the choice. I was like, I'm done with this cycle. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm old as fuck. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired. I am too fucking old for this yeah. shit. And so I um so a year ago um I sat down and I wrote these like s- super um uh what's the word I'm looking for um ah I can't think of the word. I wrote down these goals mm-hmm. and they were nowhere in sight. I was going to have a house. I was going to land a lead role in a film. I was going to have X amount of money. And it was nowhere in, in my grasp. But I was doing all these IMs. I was doing all this energy work. I cut out all that toxic energy. And I wrote down specific. That was what I was like. Specific <laughs> goals. I know. Such a big word to remember. And and I just put it there. And I just said, that's going to happen. And there's no other choice. Yeah. And this is another part of healing is that, oh, I'm going to do something. But then I just kind of let all this stuff just sort of happen to me. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other thing. It's like you make a choice. There's no that. That's it. There, there is no room for anything to happen to you. You're, you know. So one by one, to the date, to the T, like it, they happen. I got my house. I, I landed a lead role in a film. Then I got another role, another role in a film. And then now I'm doing the film I'm doing right now. I'm producing it, and I'm the lead in it. And we've got some names getting attached yeah. to it. And so I'm just yeah. So right now I'm on a really good really good role. that's awesome yeah. Yeah. thank you yeah. and my son's happy and healthy so uh, i love yeah. that's what i was yeah. going to ask and you how that was going dad. so yeah if people want to find out a little bit more about you um uh, we'll put the uh 
in the description for those that are listening as well, the links. But, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. all that. How do they find you? Yeah. So Instagram, Shanda Renee, double underscore. Somebody else has my name. Apparently there's, <laughs> apparently there's a lot of Shanda Renee. Shanda is Shanda Renee. That's just how there, famous but. you are. People want to be you. You know what I mean? They're trying these, to sell your names. Uh, Damn imposters. Fake accounts. <laughs> I know. I'm like, please just give my name. But yeah, Shanda Renee, double underscore. Um, and then the the blog, uh, blog podcast that I'm launching in 2021 is called Goodbye Trauma. And that um, entire platform is obviously towards people um, wanting to heal from trauma, telling mm-hmm. my story, and then wanting to help others with Love theirs. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, Mike, it's time for some rapid fire questions. You're up first, good sir. Let's do it. What are some of your pet peeves? I didn't know I was having rapid mm-hmm. fire pet peeves. Uh, or rapid fire <laughs> questions, pet peeves. Rapid fire questions are her pet peeve. I know, yeah, that's my pet. You, you yeah. sons of bitches, you. Uh, oh my gosh, am I supposed to answer it like really fast? Yep. Yeah. Next question. Okay. No, I'm just yeah. I'm well, just okay. Kidding. No. Good. Pet, no, I guess my biggest pet peeve is I just said this to somebody the other day, and what was my pet peeve? I think my biggest pet peeve is just um, is dishonesty, and um, I can sense when people are being dishonest, and that's just one of my biggest issues. Like, just be on it. Just I, nothing will phase me. Right. So just be honest so we can have an honest co- communication about it. It's weird. I could sense that too with some people. I'll notice that like they'll talk to me and they'll tell me something and I'm just like, I don't believe a that, fucking word you're saying. Yeah. And it's like, I would actually just rather know the truth. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, yeah. It's crazy how that works. But yeah, I get what you're talking but, about. But I mean, as far as like, if you're, you know, smacking or what, I don't, I, mm. I don't know. I don't. I'm a pretty forgiving person. <laughs> I mean, there's so much. There's just not a lot that phases me. Yeah, I, I can't really. Say. I'm and I'm one of those. If someone leaves the dishes, I'll just do it. Sure. So I don't oh, not... fuck that. You leave the dishes <laughs> out, you put that shit away, not me. Well, uh. I also just live by myself and keep everybody at their boundary safe distance. Yeah, so yeah, I only yeah. have my own dishes. I can understand Ask me that. that question if I ever get married again. or Right. Have a visitor. Have a visitor, yeah, right. in my isolated bubble. Be like, yeah. You know what? He was right. There's a dish out and that shit pisses that me off. pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you could have dinner with just one person, living or not, who would it be and why? So it could be someone that's alive now or it already passed, but. Man, you guys are good at these. If I could have dinner with one person, my future self. Mm. Huh. That's a new one. Yeah. Why? So she can, so, so she could say you make it. I love it. You get there. You get my, my, my. My two big goals is I want to win an Oscar and I want to star in a Christmas movie. <laughs> I want to star in a Christmas movie. I want to be like an <laughs> elf too or something. my future self can say, you get that Christmas movie, Shanda. I, I love it. Like, That's so awesome. I don't know if I'd want to meet my future self yet. It could be awesome or it could be a bummer. You know what I mean? Like, You're going to be- future Mikey walks in, Ew. That's what I okay, look like about- now. <laughs> You're going to be gnarly at 70 because you got all the tattoos. And if I just had enough money, I'd be covered in tattoos okay, how, as well. But. How about the past self that all those times she cried herself to sleep being like, like but yeah, okay. Wow. How about that person yeah. that I could say, you do make it? Yeah, that's yeah. sweet. Okay. That's I love sweet. it. Do you I like, like that, that answer? I love I it. <laughs> I know. All answers are good. There's no wrong answers. But I was just meant for myself, but this is about yeah, you. I, I think apologize. I'll, I think I'll, yeah, I think I'll do the, the, the past self because there was a lot of nights I'd like to go back and be like you're gonna be okay yeah yeah, yeah. okay um if they were to make a movie about you and your life who would you want to play you who would you cast as you <laughs> myself <laughs> right, i know that's what i figured uh, she's got the chops she doesn't need anyone uh, else, right? i guess it would depend on the age obviously so sure. um um 
Oh, gosh. I'm so bad with You'd think I'm not in the film industry because I'm so terrible with names. Um, by the way, when I was working with Helen Murren, I had yeah. no idea who Helen Murren was. And oh, I'm sure at the I time. was probably so not, better, though, I, right? Because you weren't, like, so starstruck much or better. Same yeah. thing. Paris Hilton was on that set. I didn't know who Paris Hilton was. I was smoking <laughs> a cigarette with her, and people... I thought she was an extra, yeah. like a background. <laughs> yeah. And people were like, you know Paris? I'm like, who's Paris? The fuck is and Paris? then I had to, like, go... Well, there wasn't Google at the time. I don't even know how... I, tablet Ask or Jeeves. something. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh. Jeeves. So anyway, but... Um, um, the worst search engine oh, ever. Oh, Ro- Ro- that Robbie chick that's all popular, gorgeous right now. Robbie. Oh, uh, Margot Robbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's that? She played uh, uh, Harley Quinn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just I'm throwing her out there because I don't. I'm, I'm so terrible with names, but yeah. I like her work, and she's yeah. all right. She's pretty damn gorgeous. So yeah, I could see that. Um, uh, superpower. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Hmm. To well. To manifest accurately. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole new one. We haven't heard that. Because I'm on, I'm in this whole like manifestation mode and I'm manifesting things. Yeah. But then there's some things that I'm like, how can I get one and then not the other? Right. So I'm not accurate yet. Yeah. So I, I would you. like to nail that shit. I, I dig it. Okay. All right, Mikey, what do you got? Um, If you could travel anywhere back in time or in the future but you had to stay there, what would you choose? Like, where well, would you I go? Would you go back to, back. like, the, like, the 40s? Would you want to go... Oh, but not in my own life. No, you? not in your own oh, life. Oh, my God, I ain't going like back. Like, you <laughs> right now, but forward or backwards. I love the the 1920s era. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? I just love... Maybe it's just because I love the fashion back then, but yeah. um, the music and the... Is, isn't that the the, Ga- the Great Gatsby? Wasn't that the 20s or was that the 40s? Yeah, it's the, ro- the Roaring 20s. Yeah, the yeah. Roaring 20s. Yeah, yeah. Just, just that... The music, the dancing, the glitter, the glitz. Yeah. yeah. Um, Every lady was a dame then. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way the movies portray it. If that's not how it was, then I probably wouldn't go there. But I just... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't shit. know what this is, but... <laughs> the right, that's that's the, how they would hold the cigarette. Yeah, yeah. they had the cigarette filter thing. Yeah. All of it. The yeah. Little, yeah and the hats. Because I love to wear hats. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. One more for you. Uh, who's been your biggest inspiration or mentor in life? I'm coming I'm literally coming across as so like me 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 but honestly myself yeah yeah yeah, no you're not the first person that said that because like I said even when I was like super super religious and praying 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 like not even God came through for me and I'm not saying I don't believe in God I do but I think my idea and version of God has has changed with God in the church and the four walls and all that compared to God, spirituality, universe, universal energy, yeah. the power within tapping in, you know, the, the God within me. It's all, you know, one. So I but I taught myself everything that I have today to be where I am today. Um, and so I'm, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. You know what I thought? What? When you were in the car on the beach and you didn't yeah. hear anybody and then all of a sudden you saw yeah. four dudes. Yeah. How could you not believe in God? 
Well, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. That's yeah. exactly but what she's I thought. Saying when institutionally, you, no, 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 I know. But when you said that, that's the first thing. And we're not, you know, we typically don't get into religion or politics yeah. or nothing. But when you were saying that story, that's the first thing that popped into and, my head. And I, again, I won't deny that that was a divine intervention. Sure. There's sure. no other way. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, they were not there. Right. So mm-hmm. the only way that that makes sense is that something divine put them there. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm just... I think my I think my idea and concept of God has just actually gotten bigger. Sure. Whereas yeah, sure. people try to you know pinpoint God as a he. I don't think it's a he. Mm-hmm. You know that's a worldly term. He sure. or she. Sure. Um, it's an entity that that combines both. You know, um, all encompassing mm-hmm. all. And I think it's just so much bigger than anybody can even grasp. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I feel like. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to it's it's hard to explain because I haven't even gotten there myself yet. Mm-hmm. I probably never will. But in that moment, there was an entity that God Himself said, uh, "You're going to stay here for a little bit longer." Mm-hmm. But then there's other times where it's up to me. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind yeah. of you know I can't put everything into prayer when I it's, God gave me a brain absolutely for a reason. Yeah. So He's like, use it. So yeah, you know what you've taught me on this podcast these are not fucking these aren't rapid questions <laughs> maybe the pet peeve and like you know what's your hobby but okay but yeah. questions we ask maybe we just call them random we'll questions from now on. we got a couple questions to just fun questions but they ain't rapid we, we, yeah we have another hour of podcast because <laughs> no that's just shanda is everything is goes deeper with no me. because we Which talk to good. other people too about it and they're just like fuck i don't know um and yeah. So Shanda was just icing on the cake. Maybe we should revamp these questions a little bit. <laughs> Maybe like favorite color. Go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Favorite food. Yeah. Uh, favorite color. Right. We'll make a note. Favorite yeah. favorite word. I don't know. It's something that you can do more of like a snap, snap, snap. I feel you. Yeah. Well, if you uh, real we, quick, I forgot. Yeah, go to ahead. Me- I'm sorry, I forgot to mention the movie. Um, oh yes, please. Yeah, we're crowdfunding right now. We're 87 percent funded. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's called the Elsewhere. Um, it deals a lot with the spiritual realm and, and all that kind of stuff that we're talking about. Um, but it's called, yeah, it's called The Elsewhere. So theelsewheremovie.com um, is okay. the website so for that. So if people want to do this, yes. participate in the crowdfunding. Or just find out about it. We okay. got Jamie Bernadette, um, the actress known for Deja Vu attached. Yeah. We got the um, composer, um, oh, Harry, Harry Manfredini. Okay. He's done over a hundred. Sounds familiar. He's composed over a hundred films. He did all the Friday the Thirteenth. Nice. Um, yeah, oh. movies. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was him. Um, but it. all of our information is up on there, as well as the link to the crowdfund if anyone wants to do that. But yeah, follow, follow along with that too. Yeah, and if for you're sure. listening to the podcast, we'll put the link in the description as well for you guys. Cool. Well, will you get the final word? If uh, what kind of words of encouragement through your life, your experiences, can you lend to people that maybe, maybe it's you know, sexual trauma, substance abuse, abusive relationships, suicide, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's a lot to, it's a lot we covered today and we didn't even cover it all. So (laughs) I apologize for all the back and forth. No, it's great. Thank you. Um, I, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, um, that your mistakes and your, the things you do to survive, um, don't define you. That's a big one for me. Um, I carried a lot of shame and guilt for the things that I did to, to survive. 
um, which I've been shedding, shedding that as of yeah. late, you know, not being ashamed that I stripped, not being ashamed that I did porn, not being ashamed of whatever, because I did what I had to do. And I did what I, you know, what I, the choices that I had to make were, were very few. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but, uh, but I don't let that define me anymore. You know, the fact that I tried to kill myself, the fact that I, any of these things are not me. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. things that happened to me. They're things that maybe some of them I allowed happen to me. They're, they're, they were choices in a moment. Um, but they're, you know, they're not, they're not me. And, um, and so I just, yeah, I guess to tell people that to, um, to be gra- gracious with yourself, to give yourself grace and forgiveness, yeah. um, and to let your messes be your, your messages. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Shanda. It's yeah, been a pleasure. Thanks. We'll have to do it again. You I got know. a lot more story. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for letting me share some of the funny ones. I mean, Absolutely. they weren't, you know, maybe in the time they weren't funny, but they're funny. And, and we can back. laugh about it now. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, always striving to make those dreams a reality. We believe life's too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to 5150ltm.com. That website again, 51FIFTYLTM.com. Shanda Renee, thank you again for uh, being on the Knocking Doors Down podcast. If you want to find out anything more about her, we got all of her social media in the description of the podcast and uh, check out some of the projects that she's been a part of and what she's got coming up. And, uh, you know, it was really cool of her. We were in studio. She came in, hung out with us. She really wanted to see how podcasts work, how we put it together. Uh, her story is very inspirational, and she's looking forward to uh, the opportunity to continue to inspire others. And I, I think we've kind of uh, we've been an inspiration. She might enter this space of podcasting herself. So really proud of her. What a great lady. Yeah, we're, uh, we're looking forward to seeing what she does with it as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've got some great things coming up for you. We can uh, we can let this cat out of the bag now, Mr. Naraki. Who is our guest next week? I'll give you a hint. Men, 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 men. Yep, Charlie Sheen. That is right. Ricky the Wild Thing Vaughn himself, Charlie Sheen. You know him from so many different stuff. It's really one of the first times he's opening up, I believe the first time about any substance abuse and, and some of the past that uh, he went down, but uh, really a great honor to speak with him. So we're excited to uh, share that with you guys. And of course, don't forget in the archives, lots of great stories, everything from Bam Margera and Brandon Novak that we had Together when we went to Castle Bam in Philadelphia, also uh, Mike the Situation, talked with him in Philly, and so many more. So go back in the archives, check out some past episodes of Knocking Doors Down, share them with a friend, share them with a loved one, share them with anyone that you think could use some inspiration or be entertained by the conversation. Anything else, Mr. Naraki? Nope, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, 
Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.